Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Spinning the Reel. I'm your host, Evan. Oh, sorry, Evan. Hey, it's your co-host, Cody, guys. I didn't hear you there, buddy. Ha 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 Yes. Anyway, uh, as Cody uh, awkwardly alluded to there, we are going to be talking today about the biggest movie to hit theaters since, what, Tenet? A Quiet Place Part 2. Or Emma. Emma? That was, nah. Oh, sorry, I'm just, I'm alluding back to the last thing I ever saw in theaters. Portrait of a Lady on Fire did come out in theaters, Cody. Please don't forget that. Oh, yeah, what else did you see that came out in theaters that was, oh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, let's save let's save that for the the end of the show. In between, <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about Bo Burnham's new comedy special, Inside, uh, and a little bit about comedy in general, uh, stand up, all that stuff. Because we're just a couple of funny guys ourselves, Cody. Right? Ha 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 ha. Those are your words, <laughs> not mine. So we're very yes. qualified. Well, with that, let's dive right in. What the hell happened? A bomb, I think. All right, Cody, this week we are talking about a big new release, a franchise, if you will, now, uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. This is, of course, directed by John Krasinski, returning to direct, and he has a cameo in this uh, edition. Emily Blunt, uh, Noah Jupe, Millicent Simmons all return to star. There's a few new faces in it. We've got Killian Murphy um, is probably the most notable. What is A Quiet Place Part 2, Cody? Oh, yeah, dude. Since you missed it in the intro, uh, let's dive right in, guys. Uh, Quiet Place Part 2 ultimately takes off where Quiet Place 1 left off, and basically this family with uh having to deal with uh surviving these creatures still and and really just having to leave creatures their creatures do they attack based off sound come yes. on man you should be coming into this at least of seeing the first one to get the ultimate premise I they forgot. leave the comfort it's been a week since i've seen either <laughs> <laughs> they come from the comfort of their own home right and and they're actually you know not necessarily forced but they do need to go find a, a different way to survive kind of thing so they are leaving their home and and all the unknowns that come with it the people that are left obviously these creatures that are still left and uh just you know treading their way and trying to survive kind of thing so uh story-wise okay. that's story-wise sure you want my impressions now? i, I want- was just about to ask for your impressions how did you know uh you know the psychic vibe that yeah, we, have, we just got that know. connection going uh, who would have thought but uh, yeah, honestly, dude, this movie was so good. I really, really liked the first one, uh, as you guys know, too, throughout the years uh, with the podcast. What did you, uh, what did you star rate the first one? Do you remember? Uh, I believe four and a half, Ooh. maybe four. I'm going to look that up, up while there. you're going. Yeah, I, I, I actually hadn't seen the first one in theaters. I did see it at home. Uh, and I think oh, that I honestly, was a great theater experience. Yeah, I know. And that's why I was super excited to get Gave back in theaters 
for to see the second one in theaters knowing how good the first one was and that was just seeing it at home uh and again i really like thrillers i really like that kind of storytelling because i feel like you know just outside of the scary movie realm kind of thing like i'm not into the whole oh crap jump scare kind of thing like and this at least with the thrillers and stuff like there's something more engaging about it and this is definitely one of those movies that's engaging to say the least um but this just like the first one the the tension building is just it's on it's on point man it is so good just the tension building that it just builds and it builds and it builds. And for a movie that's literally based off of almost nothing being said, because it literally is, it's, it's based off your senses of sound. Um, it's just, you're holding your breath like the entire time, right? You're waiting for the string to get cut and that tension to be broken. And it never gets there. Like mm-hmm. really the entire film, I'm just like, I really was on the edge of my seat. And even when you kind of know things are coming and how all these little things can go wrong, right? You watch everything around you and, and knowing what these creatures are attracted to by these sounds and stuff. Uh, just all of the things with just them walking and w- the way they step and stuff and all those scenes that are shot, you're just like, and you're just waiting kind of thing. Um, real quick too. I really liked, obviously this is like a, a, a sequel but that kind of i really liked the first 10 minutes being like a prequel too yeah i thought that was really the cool. prologue like, thought, of this movie rocks yeah I, it really does and it's like it's it was longer than maybe i had thought uh i know i'd seen the previews and i hadn't rewatched the previews before seeing this but you kind of already got that sense that i thought it was going to be like a more flashback and i was kind of nervous about that because it's like oh man because john krasinski obviously again mm-hmm. no spoilers but if you've seen the first one he does die and you see him in the second one you're like oh man it's gonna be like one of those like back and forth kind of like time things and right. i wasn't i wasn't like too keen on that because i'm like mm, i don't really need to go back in time like we already get it it doesn't um, matter why they're here they're here and we got yeah with and it, and know? that's why the cool 10 minute like you know uh prologue and stuff was like really cool and stuff and i was just like this is cool like it's just enough and just like to keep me like engaged right like at least mm-hmm. there was like there's day one here's kind of what happened and boom here we are obviously day 400 now or whatever and i thought that was really cool but man is this just so masterful on just the tension building so uh, those are just kind of some overall general impressions that I had. Yeah. Think. So there's, there's so much to unpack there. And I think the first thing I'll say is the theatrical experience of watching this movie. And we'll get into that in the last segment as well. But this movie, like its predecessor, is really a big theater movie because you want those big sounds and you want that like deafening silence when you're sitting in a theater. Uh, and that's, I like, I don't know. It's just those little things you get from, from being in a the theater that we'll, we'll talk about later. But I will say the first movie especially was great at this because the opening sequence, if you recall, of that movie is them creeping around an abandoned uh, convenience store, more or less. That uh, It does such a wonderful job of setting exactly the tone and the plot of that movie without having to explicitly say anything. You are on the edge of your seat already understanding that they have to be completely silent without ever understanding why or, or, or how they figured it out or any of the backstory that you get at the start of, uh, of part two, which brings me to part two in that the opening sequence in this movie is probably not equally thrilling. Yeah, then one, two. Um, you said two twice, so I was really confused. I'm like, two, two. Yeah, so, so the opening sequence in part two rocks as well, right? It's, it's day one of this, and we learn that they're aliens that have, uh, have come from some other place, right, to hunt down this planet or whatever. 
it's not really explicit, but they'd come in on meteors or whatever. So it's, it is what it is. Uh, but this movie, like from the very get go is loud and it's, you hear all the chatter and it stresses you out because you know what's come from the first one, which is awesome to me because immediately right off the bat, and this is why I think that John Krasinski really knows what he's doing as far as directing these movies. It immediately sets a contrasting tone to the first movie. And that was my takeaway from this as opposed to the first one. The first movie is about a family dealing with guilt and grief and it literally suffocating them. Like they cannot find the words to express the way they feel and move on from it. Um, And that's manifested literally through these creatures. This movie is very much the opposite of that. It is about channeling your grief and your trauma into making the world a better place. And I think the, the intro sets the tone for that brilliantly by saying like, this is not a quiet place. This is a different, like, this is a different thing that we're going after. So I I really appreciated the contrast of that. And I know you like that uh, opening sequence too. It's very thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I do remember I was hearing a a quick interview with John Krasinski, like he didn't even want to write a second one, right? Like he was like one and done. And then, you know, he's like, okay, you know what? You guys find a director. I'll help you out. I'll get you like the idea of like, kind of like what I want to go for. And then he even said, he's like, crap. I have a second movie. Then he cracked kind of, it and he's like, yeah, he's yes. like, all right, never mind. I'm back in, baby. Let's do this thing, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. But yeah, I, he definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, not only from the first one, which I think got a lot of people on board too, because I, I don't really know how many people knew about it. Like, like I said, I hadn't actually seen it in theaters. It just looked like another cheesy horror movie when it came out. Exactly. And, and I was just like, it okay, wasn't. whatever. Um, and then I'd seen the first one, like I said, uh, rated it four out of five stars as you kindly looked up. Um, and I was like, man, like, you know, obviously a year ago, this was supposed to come out. And I was like super excited for the second one because I'm mm-hmm. like, this is a movie, like this is what the movies are built for, this kind of experience, yeah. especially when it's so focused on sound and, you know, it's one you of those- You see senses. why they pushed it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm glad they did. and It was much needed. Um, but, you know, it's, it's creative. It's like, it's something I haven't seen in a movie done before, right? Mm-hmm. To take that sense and heighten it. And then to use uh, Millicent Simmons, which kudos, which is the daughter in this movie, uh, she is actually deaf guys and stuff if you, you're unaware and and to take that and put that in like that tunnel vision right to where yeah. it's like you're right everything is so loud and so vibrant like just him picking up like the water bottles and the fruit like all in the opening scene it's like it's that extra intensity because you lose all your other senses yeah you which, can you really hear the footsteps and everything yeah and yeah. then when obviously her earpiece comes off throughout the movie and you get that tunnel vision, like one the train scene is like one of the most like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it was coming. It gives you that tunnel vision. The the yep. sound goes away, and I mean you really could hear a pen drop. And you know people in theaters like everyone was kind of eating their popcorn at the beginning. But like save I said, it, that save that, it. that yeah. string tension that keeps building. You get to like 20, 30 minutes of the movie, you don't hear that anymore. Like it yeah. becomes silent and quiet. And whether it's with what minimal sound and talking there is in the movie, or again no sound at all. Uh, just just building off of that and building so this world. And that's an interesting thing so that cool. you bring up the tension of this movie. And I want to talk about a decision that's made in the middle third of the movie towards the end of it, going into the climax that really ratchets up the tension. But first, there's so much to enjoy in this movie that I want to, like, I don't know, you, you seem to have really, really liked it. And I liked I it a lot as well. Um, I had a few issues with it and uh, I'll just run them by you here. See if you agree. Okay. A sequel to, to A Quiet Place, maybe much like John Krasinski thought at first, seemed really unnecessary to me. 
Because if you recall, I don't know when the last time you watched A Quiet Place was. That movie ends with um, she kills one of the the monsters, right? And then it's just her uh, leaning back and and cocking a shotgun. And then it's just a shot of her face. And you know, like, you have all the certainty of the world that these monsters are no longer a threat to this family anymore. And so for me, seeing that, I'm just like, all right, this is it. That's all we need from the from this franchise or this like setup because they've beaten them. They've conquered the monsters. They've resolved their family conflict. And now there's really nothing else to do. But I do respect that they found, and we'll get into it, but they found a way to make that work. Did you have the same issue kind of coming out of A Quiet Place? I don't. I actually really liked how they picked up off the first one. I, you know, I, it's been a while since seeing the first, the first one, like you said, uh, having that ending scene that you just described, um, you know, to me, it's more of a, a sigh of relief, right? The tension's mm-hmm. been built and the string's been cut. And I'll just allude back to that. It's like, but now what? Like, there, I think there's still more to be told and usually sequels and stuff we can talk about all the time, right? Sequels usually just don't work because it's not refreshing. It's not new. It's mm-hmm. something we've already seen before. And that's why sometimes sequels never live up to be like the original because it doesn't it doesn't catch you off guard or on your toes. Um, but this one, like I said, with the with the prelude, with this 10 minutes, like a day one, and then jumping like right into like when right. she's literally in the second one, walking down the stairs, there are the dead, you know, monsters again, like you described the nail, which yeah, has very visibly aged <laughs> <laughs> the nail that she had stepped on in the first oh, one. Dude, I was stuff. so scared that oh, they were going to step cringy. on it again. Yeah, so cringy. And, and stuff. then something way worse happens like 10 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, way worse. Bear trap. But uh yeah, uh, I I can't say I agree with that. I really actually enjoyed how they picked up off the first one and just. So like I'm not. That's not my my contention. One. My contention is not that they did a bad job picking up off of it or that like it didn't work. My contention was like uh, it wasn't necessary. They didn't have to do it. They found now they found a way to make it work. I think, but it was really one of those movies. I thought this is a perfect standalone film that doesn't need expansion on. But but I, I see that you sure. disagree with that, and that's fine. <laughs> I, I want to bring up the next piece of this here, which kind of builds on that last complaint, is that once you know that they can take the earpiece or the, uh, the hearing aid and stun the monsters, allowing them to kill the monsters, it takes a lot of the tension out of the monsters showing up. I mean, you still have to battle off this big, scary monster thing, but as soon as you know you could just turn on a uh, hearing aid, and shoot it in the face, you know, like that family is going to be okay. So it brings me to something that was really, really smart about A Quiet Place 2, something that they did really, really well. I'm going to ring the spoiler gong or whatever you want to call it, say spoilers ahead for, for the plot of uh, A Quiet Place. They do something really smart. They separate the characters in the middle of this movie, and they turn it into a situation where some of these characters that you've grown to love are endangered and some of them have the, like the answer to fix it, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And, and specifically I'm talking about that cross-cutting scene where Noah Jupe's character, I don't know what his name is. Um, Marcus, maybe, I don't know. They don't really say it. He's down in the bunker watching the baby. Um, and then Emily blunts off on her own, trying to get medicine for him and oxygen for the baby. And then Millicent Simmons' character, whose name is Reagan, I did, I don't, I do know that one. And then Killian Murphy's character, whose name is Emmett, 
I think, mm-hmm. are off um, trying to save the world, basically bring the, the earpiece. And so as long as they have the, uh, the earpiece and the, and the shotgun, you know they're going to be safe. So what they do is they cross cut with Emily Blunt, who's just out in the middle of nowhere, no way to defend herself. And Noah Jupe, who's like in grievously injured, defending a baby who's running out of oxygen. And so like the way that they use each of those situations to build up tension in the main plot line with Millicent Simmons and, uh, and Killian Murphy, uh, I think worked spectacularly and it, and it helped a lot with, um, keeping tension in that movie plus they ended up facing the threat of like those other people so it's really smartly done i know that was a lot go go ahead and tell me what you <laughs> think about all that yeah i i think you kind of you kind of hit it on the nail and i think again opposite of what you think like things can still go wrong right just because you know how to beat the monster doesn't mean it can always be done right mm-hmm. they're not always in a situation where they're always 100 percent aware it's that whole tunnel vision thing it's like you know she had reached in i forget to like grab a first aid kit out of the train mm-hmm. and she'd take her like right she set stuff down it's like you're not always ready in the moment uh and kind of thing and so yes i do agree with you that the tension building was nice babe doing like the two plots and how right. every single person really had to deal with it because well, they're all separated you. Uh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. Um, but at the same time, too, it's again those uncertainties, right? You know, uh, Emmett had said like, "All oh, these people aren't worth saving," and we see mm-hmm. them also be a threat. So people are a threat. How do you deal with people that are, you know, kind of woo, you know, you know, crazy in a sense, sure. and trying to their own way to survive, and and so they're a threat too. So um, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily. There are parts of that that I agree with. Like I said, breaking it up to build that tension is definitely kudos and different. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it's because they're broken up. It's because of still all the uncertainties and all this stuff that can go wrong. Um, I never felt a lack of or loss of that tension that mm-hmm. I still got from the first one. And that's just. Me. I think that's just like the way that Krasinski built this movie out is is the reason. For that uh another complaint i had though uh, and this kind of gets back to to that is emily blunt's character was very much like neutered in this movie like she was a badass in the first one right mm-hmm. like she's handling shit she's really like empathetic character she has a baby in the middle of like and has to like restrain herself from screaming while these uh these monsters are hunting her down and then she ends up with that like again that final shot the triumphant like i can kill these things and like no one can stop me from defending my family she doesn't really get much to do in this movie she kind of goes to the store and comes back and that sucks i wanted a little more out of uh, out of her character i don't know if, what you thought about that i don't know if it was necessarily needed like right you talked about the first one and how badass she was and i think the second one building off of you know I really felt like it was focused on the kids and it definitely went that direction i don't really have a problem with it because it's like you know there's that scene with you know Emmett and the daughter's name again like you said Reagan at the end it's like you know Mm -hmm. he told me I'm not your father and it's like oh well you are and you know the mom sees that too when you know uh Marcus like again the son when they're broken up you know takes the the whole uh, radio thing and and kills Mm -hmm. one of them too so and you see the mom's reaction to it uh, Emily Blunt's character Um, she got stabbed in the leg (laughs) (laughs) yeah but right like i i'm okay with that right i'm not needing emily blunt's character to be on the forefront of things because i think with the breaking because you hate women wow way to put words in my (laughs) mouth that i never ever said (laughs) no uh okay good just check (laughs) it 
<laughs> but right it, it wasn't necessarily needed like she was a badass in the first one this one definitely centers more around the kids and how they're going about like they're the ones now being mm-hmm. grown up they're the ones taking responsibility right like mom's already done it you know hey mom like we got your back too kind of thing um so for me uh i i do agree that there was a lack of emily blunt's character of being a mom but it wasn't a deal breaker for me at all i mean there were still scenes that were like all right here she goes being a whole kind of badass again with the you know oxen shank and how to you know get to her her son and her baby yeah. and all that kind of stuff and still being a motherly figure obviously going to the store in the first place to get the medicine mm-hmm. um and and that was enough it was enough because obviously it that was another thing too just you know it was enough the, the runtime was like perfect too because yeah it's like, it's like a 90 you're not dragging yeah you're not like dragging on with her in these scenes like Right. Because, again, the first one's been established. We understand the situation. We understand how to kill these creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't need these like dragged out kind of scenes, too, when she's going to the store and all that kind of stuff. Like we've we've already seen that, like you said, in the first one and stuff in the beginning. Um, so uh, yeah, I just, do like that they turned it over to the kids like this was the kids yeah. movie. You, you made a great point there that really what this movie was about was like I said, everyone earlier, was great channeling your grief and your guilt and all that into a better world or a better place. And that's that's what happens here. Like Noah Jupe's character is a scaredy cat. Like that's his, that's his whole character identity in both movies. And he has to come up and, and save his family. Like he has to step out of his shell and pull this off. So that way they can survive. Right. And that's like a huge bit of growth for his character. Millicent Simmons finally accepting that, uh, that she can be like her dad. And that's actually a good thing. And, and finding that common ground is really great growth for her. The adults in this movie, again, I just didn't find that they had enough growth or enough to do. Uh, Killian Murphy had an interesting storyline too. He was kind of like that jaded figure from the first movie into this. I think ultimately, and I, maybe to wind this down, I don't know how much more you have uh, you have to add on uh, on a Quiet Place Part Two, but I think for me one of the biggest things about this movie is that it inevitably had to expand the scope of the first one. The first movie works so well because it really is a family drama done as horror. This is more of a big thriller horror movie with characters that are already established and it's a much wider scope. And for me that it loses some of the thematic resonance of the first one by broadening out that much, Uh, which is okay. That naturally happens. Like this is a much more ambitious movie in that sense. But I think it doesn't work in quite the, the same thematic way as the other one. And, that, and that's sort of my, my takeaway from it. Really good movie, not as good as the first because of that for me. And I, I'm curious what you think. Sure. Um, again, I, I do think you hit it a little bit on the nail, but I'm kind of still taking the opposite to it because it's like, if you would have said, all right, let's just focus on the family again. Let's have the first movie over again, build on this tension. Um, there's that part of me too that counteracts that with, well, I've seen that. Why do we need to do that again? Where you do get uh, Emmett's character and stuff, who is a dad who's obviously dealt with his own grief, right? He's lost yep. his kids. He's, you know, he even said he lost his wife and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, we see that he lost his wife. We do see that he lost his <laughs> wife, that's for sure. But I like that broad scope, right? Like, yeah. it's not just the suspense and the tension that's built at the house with the family, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's going beyond this big, scary world and then obviously finding people and stuff along the way that one could be a threat, one can be of help. 
and seeing that their pains and, and what they're suffering mm-hmm. through and all that kind of stuff. Obviously they get to the Island at the end and you see these people had found out that these creatures can't swim. So, you know, they're living in their own little kind of paradise playing. I like know. that except the creatures like very clearly swim in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't it's again it's been a while actually since I've seen the first ones I don't remember that so that's one like swimming around in the basement when it floods yeah oh interesting I wonder if it needs to be the deep blue you know if he could touch the bottom still like there's a few inconsistencies like uh like Millicent Simmons character never actually like speaks in the first movie it seemed to imply that she was never able to speak that she was deaf from birth um but this movie I think just to facilitate the plot a little bit more she she's more verbal um and but and that's what you do to to make a movie but sure i i don't feel it's i do agree on some points i just don't think the extent of what you're saying that really made this another like anything that didn't work Mm -hmm. um so overall i still the tension building all that kind of stuff that we alluded to the sound i I make it sound like i like i'm sounding like i didn't like the movie but i really like the movie i just had a few quibbles with it you know sure i i just think i love the attention of care and detail right like Mm -hmm. john kaczynski we mentioned it at the beginning really cool shots in this movie yeah and it's just he he really you know when someone cares you could see that come out and you Mm -hmm. see that everyone cared and you see because everyone cared everyone was great on screen together and there's just so much to like really like about this movie. And it was a great experience to finally be back in theaters to, to see it's it a and, good movie. and add that, you know, add the vibes. So, all right, let's, let's round it up, Cody. Let's round it up here. Letterbox roundup. All right. Well, it's clear that I like this movie. There was no hiding it throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will also sit though at four out of five stars for me. It was nice. Wow. A sequel movie. that's as good as the original. That's, for me, heck yeah, dude. It's a gem. For me, so I also had given four stars to the first one. Uh, this time around, three and a half. I don't feel like it, I, I went through all this. I don't feel like it was quite as contained as the first movie. It kind of got a little too big for uh, for what it was trying to do, but I still had a blast seeing this movie. It was uh, highly recommended. Welcome to the internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Welcome to the internet. Come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic. This isn't a test. <laughs> Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome- All right, Cody. Next up, we're talking about probably probably the next biggest thing that happened in the last week. I don't know. You could argue that Cruella is up there too. Um, Bo Burnham released his first comedy special in, was it five years? Five years, man. In five years. Filmed all during quarantine um, over like a year. And it's getting pretty rave reviews. I don't want to do a full like personal review from each of us because you haven't finished it yet but you watched part of it and enjoyed I it yeah. um i guess so far what uh you like it so far i do so yeah I, unfortunately i had to step away i watched about half of it um bo burnham someone that i was introduced to actually connor introduced me to bo burnham growing mm-hmm. up uh 
early high school days and stuff and I had watched a lot of his content and I found him very humorous. His writing's been very good. Uh, he was just in, oh crap, Promising what was that young woman. There we go. And I thought he killed it in that Director too. of eighth grade. Oh man, so, what a movie. You got a, you got a creative individual here and mm-hmm. it's interesting to, because comedy especially, right? Comedy specials are built to, right? You build them, but then you perform them in front of a stage of live audience, mm-hmm. which you don't really get and haven't got in over a year for anything. But I think for right. comedy or comedics, you know, it's it's a big bust, right? Like that is what they live for. Their creative minds are always rambling. Um, so I really liked so far what I've seen, like just like the spins and twists and, and what it yeah. means to have lived through quarantine, right? You know, we talk about it here regularly because it's it's the hot topic. It, it, it hasn't gone away completely yet. Um, and just the mindset of not only him as an individual, but how you can kind of like put yourself in his shoes and have that sense of like, man, what is going on is like time goes on. It's like right. just that like, well, here I am kind of thing. This is what I do. Yeah. And that gets even more pronounced as the, as it goes on too. You'll, yeah. You'll, and I've seen see that. So, and I've already started to see it with what I've seen. So yeah. Oh, Burnham like is some of the skits in it. I mean, the, the anti-capitalist like- sock puppet was great. I did enjoy that. Um, I like Bo Burnham a lot. I think he's very funny. Uh, he's great in promising young woman. He's great in the big sick in like the brief, cameo appearances he's in that um i love eighth grade the movie he made i like his other comedy specials too i'm not a big like uh what is it parody song guy like i'm not weird al is not like my thing uh and and i get a lot of weird al vibes kind of from this comedy special because it's just a bunch of of parody comedy songs in a row which is which is fine like some people really like that i just i didn't find it like super funny to be honest, I, I was like, eh, it's fine. Some of this is funny. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. There's times where it gets existential and that's can be good. It can be kind of hit and miss. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's um, I guess I didn't like the special quite as much as other <laughs> people seem to be. I still thought it was good and I still enjoyed myself watching it. But I think it's because uh, looking at quarantine, sorry to cut you off if yeah. you're finishing statement there. Um it's interesting when you look at quarantine, right? Because we've had movies that have come out during quarantine that haven't really been all that good. And I feel like they're trying to reenact what quarantine was, right? Mm -hmm. This past year of life that we've gone through and and put it in a movie Um, where I think the Bo Burnham special so far from what I've seen is just like, it's like a raw and authentic kind of person who's just Mm -hmm. using his experience in quarantine to using his craft of what he does again being comedy and writing all this kind of stuff uh at the very beginning he's like this isn't really a comedy special this is just me being me doing the day-to-day things to try and get through it um and i think maybe that's where some of the rave reviews and i wonder then if it would have been more powerful for me personally to have seen this a couple months ago you know i know like it, it takes whatever it takes to get this made and 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 finish it but as the last like couple months, at least here in the United States, I mean, we should probably acknowledge that in a lot of places around the world, we're going to talk about going back to movie theaters uh, in the next segment. In a lot of places around the world, that's not possible right now because like, we're really lucky in the United States that the vaccine distribution has gone so well and that we're able to go do things. Uh, and, and things have really opened up around here in the last couple months as the cases have gone down. 
And I, I think maybe the catharsis of being able to go to a movie theater again, or, or for me, like go play hockey again, or go get back to doing the things that I love to do. Like I've had that catharsis already. Whereas this special, I wonder if it would have felt like I was more in the trenches with Bo Burnham had it come out before that, you know, where it would have been like, I, I really empathize with this. And not that I don't empathize with it, but I really, I guess, sympathize with it more is, is the word as I'm going through it as well. And again, that's no fault. I like, I think it's well done. I think the songs are well written. The whole thing, he's a director too. So, I mean, the whole thing's well staged, well lit, uh, that's, that's well what produced. Say. Like it's, it, it rocks. Like he does a good job putting this thing together. I think One it was man just band. my taste of comedy. It wasn't that. And maybe the timing just wasn't quite there for me personally. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's cool too, because right. A comic's job is to make you laugh, right? That's, yeah. It's what they like to do. They like to make you laugh. Not always because... either, though. I mean, like, make you think about things, too. Sure. And this, I think the special does make you think about things. Mm-hmm. It, def- it definitely makes you think about things, right? It makes like you, capitalism. like I said, <laughs> From a reflect, sock puppet. <laughs> reflect back and, and whatnot. Um, but what I really like, too, is just, like, here's a guy who's doing something different that, you know, it... I don't know. It Like I said, just... It just makes you think, and I really do appreciate what Bo Burnham does, and I appreciate what a lot of comics do because, you know, there are specials that have popped up on Netflix. You know, mm-hmm. it's starting to be like the next big trend. A lot of these guys are taking these Netflix specials; they're obviously getting paid to do so, and and there's been those ones that it's like, oh, cool! Like I'm glad to see this guy on a Netflix special and stuff. And yeah. you know, we were all eager maybe to be like, because I hadn't. What was interesting was like I hadn't even heard about this special really at all. Uh, he was it, like he was. Uh talking about it on twitter a little bit in the weeks before it came out so um i was unaware of it almost altogether i had seen it i'm like oh shit bo burnham kind of thing and i was like i want to see this for sure um and then within the first like i said 10 minutes of this you're like hmm this isn't gonna be one of those comedy specials by any means absolutely and uh maybe that was a big rave about it too from a lot of people because it's like you know, at a time like this, how is, how can you really be funny and, and the parodies mm-hmm. and stuff? And uh, unlike you, I, I do like the parody songs and stuff. I do find yeah. most of that stuff just, you know, it's definitely like I laugh at that stuff or I, you know, I, I like the engagement in that stuff and it, it, it is just funny to me. So uh, when yeah. he does do the parodies, I love the, uh, one of the scenes that I have seen so far is that reaction video he has to his, his own video. Like, I just love the parodies. he makes. That was that good. Stuff. There's a, there's a great one where he is, um, he's doing like a, a Twitch streamer parody. Oh, where he's like man. a Twitch streamer and I he's playing like a game and it, it, that one's pretty funny. You'll, you'll like yeah. that one. So I like uh, that kind of stuff. So, okay. A couple things. So first let's go with, um, you're talking about Netflix specials and stuff and all these comedians kind of getting their, their shots on Netflix or, or getting a wider audience through Netflix that definitely happened with Bo Burnham transitioning from YouTube to, to more broad mainstream audience. Do you have any, uh, any favorite comedians like off the top of your head that just anytime that guy or gal does a, does a show you're like that, that's funny. I, I get a kick out of that. <laughs> uh, I think some big ones that I appreciate that I like, uh, 
Joe Coy is very, I think, up and not up and coming. He's very popular, very famous already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I love like when hearing when he's in town, I know he's been at like some of the improvs around here once before. And I've always wanted to go see mm-hmm. him. His specials, I think are always really good. I, I remember putting on some specials, like we go on vacations and stuff and like, there's like nothing to watch. And some people haven't like seen Joe Coy or something I'm like let's watch this special. Like, yeah. obviously once you hear a joke once or twice, it's like, it's not as funny, but it's like, sometimes you still get a kick out. Well, of I mean, stuff. like how many times do people watch that? Um, Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, he's another one special. that I really, yeah, I appreciate uh, Gabriel Iglesias over and over it. again, you know? So, I mean, he has like a TV show now and stuff. It is funny does to he? see. He does. Um, so those are like, I'd say those are two big ones that definitely have appeared on Netflix. Yeah. Um, who I'm a big John Mulaney guy. John Mulaney. John Mulaney. All great. of his specials are so fucking funny. He's just like he's just got that comedic timing, and he's in a bunch of things too, like Big Mouth and all that. Like he's he's a funny now guy. You told me off air that someone compared you to John Mulaney, and yeah, I, I was mean, just at a bar, and he just oh, you sound like John Mulaney, and I was like, I don't, so don't <laughs> say that because it's not true. That's my wife. Maybe you just caught me at just the right moment, but yeah. He's great. Uh, if you like Bo Burnham Inside and you want someone that does like comedy, but also like introspective stuff, uh, Hannah Gadsby's uh, comedy special Nanette is one of the highest rated comedy specials of all time, uh, on at least on Letterboxd. And that's on Netflix as well. That kind of blew me away, that, uh, that comedy special as well. So there's lots of good stuff out there. But to close out this segment, I want to talk to you for a minute. You, so you mentioned that the, the, the pandemic made comedy hard to keep doing because, you know, comedians go out and they test their jokes and, and they do sets at these little clubs and then they come back all polished for these big specials that they do. And that obviously wasn't possible. Comedy's changed a lot. Did you find any sort of comedy during the pandemic that really hit you? Bad movies. No. <laughs> Army of the Dead. <laughs> That's a comedy, right? Zach Could you Snyder. call Cats a comedy? Who knows? I guess that was last year, but... Nah, every, everyone's different, right? Like, I still, like I said, like, there's times where it's like... I, I'm not joking about the movie thing either. Like, there's yeah. times where it's like, I want to watch a one-star movie. We, we, I just did it. I went out to Big Bear last weekend. Oh, it's and, so fun and, to make fun of movies. Yeah, and you find, like, the crappiest movie just by, like, title. You're like, this movie yeah. is going to be trash, but I'm going to watch it. And, and you find humor in that, and everyone finds humor in their own way. Uh... I didn't really find it hard, right? Because you can go back and watch these specials if that's yeah. something that makes you laugh. You know, YouTube is around for a reason. You can watch stupid videos of, you know, mm-hmm. people failing or whatever and whatnot. Like like I said, comedy is always a sub- subjective thing. Um, and I don't really found, like I found a lack of it during the right. pandemic. Obviously the specials and stuff aren't really necessarily new and coming out in that way. Yeah. But comedy's around in whatever way you want to search and find it for you. Um, but it is glad. I, I mean, I am glad to have these comedy specials and these people and, you know, in our lives to watch on the YouTube videos and stuff and go back to, you know, Bo Burnham's parody songs and whatnot or anything like that. So, right. um, it's always a fun time. It's always a good time. Cause you know, the endorphins when you laugh and stuff, I mean, yeah, you can't I, beat that say stuff. that comedy finds a way, you know, like there are funny people that find a way to do funny shit. And I I found a lot of humor on on the internet, like on social media and stuff. Yep. There are a lot of people that kind of trailblazed a front facing comedy kind of routines that they did. There was a, a, of course that one uh, I can't remember her name. She got a Netflix special out of it too, and literally just like playing Trump speeches and like um, doing uh, acting at, acting them out. And 
what is that called when you like uh, speak to, uh, I don't know, mouthing the words that he was saying, but whatever. Uh, I don't think she's the funniest, but she's, she's kind of funny. Um, but th- there's like plenty of other people that found a way to like make comedy out of the situation. Um, I just sent you a video on Twitter, Cody. No one else can see this, but it's, uh, it's about uh, these guys who are talking about like getting vaccinated and this guy getting like an off-brand vaccine. That's uh, super funny. I, I think that in a lot of ways, the pandemic has, uh, in a word, I guess, democratized a lot of our attention. So people can just put a video out there and, and find it in the way that like YouTube kind of did. And I, TikTok is now doing too, like social media has found a way to like make people find these. Uh, Do you these think comedians, if we you know? posted our podcast as a video, it would be labeled a comedy, Evan? Or no it, chance. It would now. be like the one star movies that you watch that mm, people watch for comedy for sure. Okay. So we're there. So we're comedians, you could say. Oh my God. I'm so happy now. We're comedians, guys. We did it. Guess who just got back today? The wild eyed boys that had been away. Haven't changed, had much to say. But man, I still think them cats are crazy. They were asking if you were around How you was, where you could be found Told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy The boys are back in town, boys are back in town All right, Cody, we're going to finish off this show by talking about movie theaters. So now both of us have been back to movie theaters, not together yet. We're saving that for a special occasion. But I, I guess I'll ask you, because I've been going back to the movies for the last two, three weeks since I've been fully vaccinated. I'm, I'm curious what your experience has been like, what your experience was like for this movie. Obviously, it's a movie you liked. Do you think that the theatrical experience of it elevated the movie in your mind as well? All right. So 100% elevated. It was Quiet Place Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and saw it yesterday. That's why we're recording a day late, because I just didn't have the time to see it before our Tuesday recording. Um, and uh, I had mentioned already in the segment, it's like I had seen the first one at home and knowing the whole sense of sound thing, I'm like, there is no way in heck I'm not seeing this movie in theater. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from, I guess it would have been 2019. Remember when we watched the uh, Tom Hanks movie? As he, we watched uh, Endgame and everybody cheered. <laughs> no, but the Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah, like that yeah, silence yeah. thing. Like yeah, there was a moment. This, yeah, exactly. Where there's that moment, that one minute. He's like, take one minute to just think about someone. And the entire theater got quiet. And it was one of the most chilling moments I'd ever experienced in a movie theater. And I'm it's like, emotional. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those movies, too, where it's like, I know it's going to be built to be quiet, but also like loud when it needs to be loud with, you know, mm-hmm. what goes on. I'm like, I'm not going to not see this in theater. So like I said, I went with a buddy yesterday. Shout out to Anthony. Thanks for coming, buddy. AMC holder. I was, I was, I was happy to be back. Uh, And I hadn't not been back because of the whole, like, I'm afraid kind of thing. It was at this point, there was just really nothing out that I really wanted to see that one. I couldn't already see at home. Uh, Cause I think this is the first movie that has come out that is exclusively, I think in theaters that at least had any type of hype or talk about uh, prior to COVID the first big movie. I mean, spiral came out, but that movie sucked. So like, so we won't talk about it. It sucked. Exactly. Um, But yeah. So uh, on, because of that, it's like, I'm like I said, a super eager already a year ago, uh, knowing that I was coming back out. I'm like, all right, time to renew the AMC pass time to get back out there. You know, a lot of movies I think are going to be coming out during the summer that even if they release simultaneously, I want to go see mm-hmm. in theaters. 
uh, just because I think it would be a little bit uh, just more fun, right? Uh, more sure. of a experience as we've already alluded to multiple times on this podcast. Um, and being back, like it was, it was great, man. Like I said, like people are eating popcorn in like the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie and stresses then it, you out. Yeah. <laughs> and then it builds and then it's like, super quiet you know that you know the tension in the string and it's like oh man everyone's now got quiet everyone's settled in you're not worrying about any of that kind of stuff and just that encompass surrounding of yeah you know the surround sound and and it's just oh man it was just so much fun to be back and right when the movie ended i looked at uh, anthony i was just like man it feels good to be back the movies they rock Uh, this movie in particular especially rocked and, mm-hmm. and we were both happy to have, have seen it in theater so yeah guys uh I'm, I'm really happy that theaters are back and i'm glad that this yeah. really could be my first movie because i think this movie you know you look back at it and it's like the experience with a film like this it's like you need it in that kind of yeah. setting to experience i want to say a quiet place part two was the fourth film that i've seen back in theaters out of five so far what was your first and one? Uh, well, so I went to go see Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, the re-release that they did of that. And the reason I did that is because I wanted, I knew I was probably going to end up going to see something like Spiral, which was my second movie uh, that I saw. And I wanted my first movie back to be like a good movie theater, popcorn movie. And I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That movie is awesome. I always wished I had gone to see it in theaters when it came out because I missed it. Now you did. And and now I have, and it was such a good time watching that movie in theaters. It's such a, that's a, that movie's a blast. We could do it. Did you go with anyone or day. by yourself? That one I went to by myself. Next movie I saw was Spiral. I went with a uh, frequent guest of the show, Zach. Okay. Uh, also went with him to see um, A Quiet Place Part Two. But my, one of my favorite moments in going back to see movies in theaters was, of course, Dream Horse. But we're not talking about that right now. It was A Quiet Place Part 2. So someone had brought their friend to see this movie that had presumably not seen the first one. So we're in this opening scene. And they start signing to Millicent Simmons' character. And someone, like, leans over to their friend but really loudly says, she's deaf. (laughs) And it's just like, come on. But, like, that's the kind of thing you get in a movie theater that just rocks. Like, you... When I went to go see Spiral, a movie that is terrible, truly an awful movie. I'm walking out of the theater and you just hear these girls behind us just like, that movie was great. That was awesome. I love that. And it's just like, that's that's the movie going experience. Like people just have such visceral responses to seeing movies in theaters. And it's like, I you don't realize how much you miss it until you go see something. Cause like you sit on your couch and you watch a movie and you're kind of on your phone and whatnot, but you go into a movie theater and it's just a giant ass picture up on the screen, all bright and loud. And it just, it rocks, dude. Movies, movies are the best, Cody. Yeah. Well, it, it is funny because it reminds me of that moment too. I remember, you know, you speak a spiral and, you know, you saying it sucks and other people saying it's good. Uh, scary movies too, in general. Remember when we saw Dr. Sleep and we we're like, mm-hmm we saw like six different groups get up and walk out and and we're like, wait, this movie isn't even like scary. Like what the heck's going on here? Like the original was way more, you know, 
even more suspense and scary than this one kind of thing. Like this isn't mm-hmm. built to be that kind of way. So you're right. Like the experience of other people and reacting to those people's comments from what you hear and what you see and stuff like that. Nothing beats that kind of stuff, man. And it's just, it is really fun. And uh, it is a, you know, it is a blessing that, you know, for our sake, we do get to be yeah. back in theaters. Things are opening up for us. Uh, and we get to go have these experiences again because uh, nothing, nothing beats it. And that's just not movies. Oh, yeah. Like I said, um, but I'm going to put um, us on the spot here, Cody, let's oh. try and come up with the top five things that we missed most about movies. It'll be a combined top five. So we'll, we'll come up with something. So I think something around number five, it's gotta be the movie theater snacks. It's all junk food. It's all really all like greasy, disgusting food, but it's like, it's part of the experience. And I missed, missed getting that big greasy tub of popcorn sitting down for a movie. With the free refill. Yeah, With exactly. Free refill. Can you yeah, abide by that? Can we? Uh, can we agree there? Yeah, snacks. Snack. I, you know, I smuggle in my own snacks. You know. Ooh. Actually, I don't think you have to smuggle in snacks anymore. Don't, I don't think, think anyone snacks. cares. It, no one does. People in movie theaters rule. We love the movie theater attendants. That was another they thing. get paid minimum wage, and they I know. Do not and care. I, I'll and say that great. because Good I was there yesterday. I'll say that because I was there yesterday, and she's like, I couldn't even hear, and I'm like, what? She's like ID. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to like show my ID. And it, it did, you know, she did the same thing. And I'm like, I, I turned to Anthony. I'm like, she does not want to be here. She's like, he's like, why? He, she gets paid $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. And we like laughed, like, you know, jokingly, like they have to be kind of back and they're working again, but it is funny kind of thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, you, you got something. Give me snacks. something. Snacks. Well, if we're going on snacks, man, how about just the theater itself? Why can't Crimey I just- and disgusting? No. <laughs> cold and comforting and those little like sure. reclining, okay. those reclining chairs it's it's summertime man mm-hmm. again it's gonna get hot uh you know i i like the recliners i like being able to pick your own seat these days right before you'd have to like if you wanted to see a premiere access one it showed up at midnight and two you had to be in line at 7 p.m to yep. even get a good seat right you're trying to fight for the middle kind of thing and in the back because so you want to be far enough away from the screen uh, so it's like, it's cool to just be, you know, one, not it's like pressured. that environment, the, the theater itself. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So that's my number four. Okay. How that's about two. this? The the communal experience, this might be, this might be better as like a number two or, or, or oh. a number one even, but the, the, just the feeling of watching a movie with other people and like going with your friends to see something, you guys get to react to the movie. It's so loud in there. You can like make your little comments as you're, as you're watching the movie or you hear other people gasp or laugh and it just adds to the whole experience. Like everything is heightened by having those people around you. You get little funny things like the, the story I just told earlier. Like when I went to see, uh, so let's, let's talk about it. I went to go see dream horse and, uh, it was very funny as I was walking in, I had already like pre-downloaded my ticket from, from uh, this, the stubs thing, but there was someone in line at the box office is this guy clearly didn't know what, what was going on, but he was there with his daughter, uh, the young kid. And he was like, we want two tickets just to the spirit movie, which is the animated horse movie that's coming out in a couple weeks. And she's like, you want to see spiral? And he's like, no, obviously I don't want to see Spiral with my like eight-year-old daughter. I want to see the the horse movie Spirit. And she's like, oh, Dream Horse. And he's like, yeah, Dream Horse. And I just, I think about those people because I, I hope that daughter wasn't overly disappointed by the fact she thought she was going to go see the animated Spirit movie and instead saw a movie about Tony Collette entering horse races. Yeah. 
yeah i could argue that would be like a number two thing um, yeah more than anything uh so i'll go back i say i'll agree that that's in there for sure i'll mm-hmm. put it at that's number in there two somewhere all right what's number three then number three is beer it. is beer for right, us Cody, over 20 we can drink beer <laughs> all the time <laughs> I'm doing it. If we could put if we could put snacks and food in there, I'm putting okay. beverages. I remember like sure. the Slurpees back in the day too, right? That was the thing. Same thing, right? You can mm-hmm. like as a kid, like I remember wanting to get like Slurpees are the beer Slurpees. of children. <laughs> yes, and beer is the beer of men and it's, women. It's Slurpees for adults. <laughs> Slurpees are it's Slurpees for adults. Yeah, I'm, I'm a beer drinker. I don't mind having a cold one anywhere I go. So I don't know why not. If I can why put not? food why and stuff beer? in there, the dining experience is different, right? Like. Yeah. that's something that's relatively new from when i had past seeing movies and coming mm-hmm. back so outside of the snacks like the actual like dining experience which one it's way overpriced but regardless of the fact um i don't know it's kind of cool to i've always said like you know i wish like the dining experience was more like i know we've talked about this before on the podcast where it's like maybe it's like you know there's like a, a top deck and you go have dinner upstairs and then you go down and watch a movie kind of thing i don't know but yeah. regardless i mean you can't really when you can get a two for one special in a sense of you can get food and drink and watch a movie uh you know super absolutely number All one right. evan i, I got on. a number one for you i think you'll agree with this it's the immersion into a Woo! movie right it's go. sitting the there it's big it's loud i so i watched um this movie the bridge on the river Kwai. Uh, class old classic 1959 uh, Alec Guinness um, watched it started on Monday but I kept getting distracted like someone would text me or I'd, I'd be looking at my phone and I'd have to pause it and it took me like two days to watch this movie and it was a good movie too but when you're in a movie theater that movie is going and it is loud it is immersive you are right there in that movie you can just let the outside world go while you're in that theater and that is awesome. Like that's the way a movie's meant to be seen. And and for that reason, I think we're not going to see things like the Disney Plus simultaneous releases or HBO simultaneous releases uh, take away from going to movies. Like that's always got to be a part of the equation because it just it's so different and great to sit in a movie theater with a bunch of strangers and watch a movie. It just it rules, Cody. Yeah, now the the immersion, the way you feel, and all that kind of stuff. Nothing beats being there because one, like that is your attention, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And everything that that movie comes with, whether it's a comedy, whether it's a horror thriller, uh, whatever it ends up being, you know, it's a rom com, anything like that. Whatever that is, you know what you're coming into, you know what to kind of expect, and then that feeling of immersion when you see the screen, like this movie, Quiet Place Part Two. Yes, it was a shorter movie, but like it ended, and I was like oh man, it's over. Like, I, I was like, so good, but like, it's over. And like, you know, you're right at home. It's it's just, it's not the same by any means because one, like I said, the Bo Burnham special, I got up and walked away as well. Like I got busy. I couldn't finish something like that just right away. Um, and you do get distracted. Your phone goes off, you know, um, mom or dad or whatever roommate calls and you have mm-hmm. to get up and, you know, you pause it and you're coming back and it's like, you're watching a movie in 20 minute intervals. So like the immersion, and the way movies just make you feel like nothing, it really nothing beats nothing, it, man. Nothing beats it. That's why. We and I'm not saying show. that because I have a movie podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> it's definitely part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so ha- we're happy to be back, back. to the we're movies, happy. man. I just, yeah, it rocks, dude. I can't, I can't, we're going to go see what, like in the Heights together or something when that comes out. It's going to be great. All. We're going to have a blast. All. 
All right, Cody, that does it for another episode of Spinning the Real. A, a little change of pace for us. We got to talk about a movie we both liked for a change, which is good. Uh, we got to talk about comedy and we got to talk about movie theaters. It was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Stuff to finally talk about. Nature is healing. Like. <laughs> Nature is healing. But uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, here we are, hopefully hitting stride again and, and getting yeah. back to a more normal normalcy of not only our podcasting, Absolutely. but normal days, of course. Well, so. speaking of normalcy, normally we reserve the uh, close to tell people about where they can find us uh, socially. So where, where, where are we at, Cody? Well, we're on our normal we're at the movie theaters. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. If you find us at the movie theaters, please don't hesitate to stop say hi be like love the pod or hate the pod i don't care but hopefully say love the pod because otherwise i might cry <laughs> uh but no guys can find don't us on twitter feelings <laughs> trust me you won't uh find us on twitter find us on instagram uh unfortunately instagram's a little bit behind like i said i've been busy it's no excuse uh but we, we got the site spinning the real uh, dot com evan's got Which all i'm behind up. on i've got an yeah, a, a, a quiet place part two review that i am partway through that'll yeah. probably post tomorrow you can find our letterbox link there as well uh something that we i think want mm-hmm. to start getting into a little bit more as evan and i have like discussed so those are our socials obviously as spending the real we always have our individual handles which are also i believe included on the website absolutely um, and if you're listening to us obviously whatever platform it don't matter you're listening to us so i'm not going to tell you we're yeah leave us. us a review or uh or whatever preferably a review. Uh, also, if you're local to uh, to us, we are doing, of course, the Cruella watch party uh, in a couple of days here on uh, on Friday the 4th. So that should be fun. I hope. Yeah, reach, reach out to us, man. If you don't already have an invite because we don't know you listen to the pod, uh, I don't care who shows up. Yeah, if, up. You are, if you're Cody Stalker, you can find out where he lives. That will be fun. Uh, yeah, so, so join us for that. Next week, we are going to, of course, be talking about Cruella on the podcast and uh yeah i think that's it cody you got anything else you know what as always because we always have norms on this pod i only got one thing left to say evan bye